Hello and welcome to Thriving in Intersectionality, a podcast created to help you learn from professionals in the workplace who have multiple intersectional identities, from ethnic minorities, veterans transitioning into the workforce, individuals with disabilities, parents, and so many more. My name is Lola Adeyemo. I am the CEO of EQI Mindset and the founder of the nonprofit Immigrants Incorporate Inc. I work with organizations to build inclusive workplaces. This podcast was built to amplify the voices of leaders and immigrants in the corporate workplace and to give insights and guidance so people can move past their barriers and advance in their professional careers. Through interviews and solo episodes, I'm going to examine this global world of work. I know that you can learn a thing or two from my guests who have a range of experiences and stories to share. Join me as we meet new people who are successfully navigating the corporate space. to share with you my conversation with Manju today. Manju Abraham is an engineering leader with over 30 years of experience in delivering high-quality enterprise products on schedule, building, and scaling high-performing R&D teams across companies like HP, NetHub, and Delphix. She started her career in India as a scientist at the Indian Space Research Organization. She is currently at HPE and leads engineering operations across HPE storage array products. At every role in these organizations, she built a reputation as a bold, effective, transformational leader, enabling change across engineering functions and to scale and elevate the outcomes, the productivity and effectiveness of the organization. Manju is passionate about growing our team members and helping them to meet their true potential. She has won several awards across each of these companies for leadership affecting cultural, behavioral, and systemic improvement. You're going to have a great time and enjoy this conversation with Manju. Thank you. Hi there, ambitious immigrant professionals. This is Lola, your host on the Thriving in Intersectionality podcast. Are you ready to supercharge your career? There are so many layers to doing just that, and that's what we're here for. Join our membership platform today for game-changing career coaching, expert resources and guidance, and get responses in real time to some of the issues and questions that you're going through in the workplace right now. We're not just breaking barriers, we're building bridges to advancement and career success. Visit immigrantsincorporate.org slash membership to sign up today and let's take your career to new heights. Join the membership platform today. Visit immigrantsincorporate.org slash membership. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Thriving in Intersectionality podcast. And I am excited to dive into my conversation today with Manju because she has a wealth of experience that I know will really benefit us on this uh, conversation. Hi, Manju. How are you doing? I'm doing great. 
it's good that it's Friday and I'm ready for the weekend too. Perfect. I am looking forward to diving in. This is also my last call for the day, so we're good. <laughs> All right. So, um, Manju, let's let's dive right in. Do you want to introduce yourself and also from the perspective of underrepresentation and minority identity intersections? Um, yeah, let us meet you. Yeah, I. It, that was a very interesting question that you had sent me to talk about the the identity intersections, right? So I've never introduced myself like this, but it was an interesting exercise, uh, especially on the diversity wheel. So I'm a woman, an immigrant from India, born in a pious, Christian, conservative, patriarchal family that influenced my conditioning. But I'm spiritual more than religious, with parents who are both rocket scientists. I'm an engineer a mother of two daughters that I'm so proud of, age over 50, a cancer survivor, all of that and more, right? So, wow. and currently I'm the vice president president of engineering at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. I own and drive enterprise storage product operations. And, um, um, you know, that question on intersectionality, uh, it's so interesting because still maybe 10 years ago or so, I wasn't even aware about DEI, that the bad feeling, that anger you feel inside of being cast aside for no fault of yours, you know, was actually unconscious bias. Mm. that I have a chance to change things instead of assuming that this is how it is supposed to be just because I was born a woman or brown or wasn't a citizen or just different, right? So recognizing that each of these identities contributes to my unique perspective, my, my value proposition, and can help bring a diverse viewpoint to the table, that was key. So thank you for triggering that exercise in my mind. Thank and, you. Um, I, th- I yeah. appreciate you, you, you doing that because I think it makes a difference even for us, for us to know what voices am I bringing to the table here um, and, and what voices are we missing at the table and even letting others do the same exercise with us. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. See, till these conversations or dialogues happen, the problem is for me, whatever my capabilities are, what I'm able to do, I think that is a norm that that is normal, that everybody else can do it too, right? It took me, that is one of the biggest lessons I learned when I started managing a lot of different people, that people don't think like me. They don't, um, um, you know, have the same kind of experiences that make me, uh, make them, because of that, they think very differently, right? That lesson in itself helps you become a better human being, I feel, and feel more confident that you're not in the wrong all the time or so too, right? So it's an important lesson to uh, let others know what you've been through so that they can relate or see where the differences are and then to make those differences normal. Yes, yes. And, and, And that's the thing, right? So it's not playing a victim when yes. we bring awareness to this it's not playing a victim sometimes it's educating people it is because we all sometimes are not aware that these things you know they can be barriers but they can also be strengths exactly they can be superpowers right and if you don't let it become your barrier so what you said there and the kind of work that you do lola is very important because you're building awareness and that's what is necessary um so I, I was being very honest when I said maybe, you know, until 2012, 13 or so, uh, that's when I there was training on unconscious bias, there was material coming up, people sharing their stories. And I that's when I, yep, that's me. Oh, my God. You know, I was justified in thinking that way. I needn't have buried it under, under, under the rug, right? And so it makes you 
bolder it gives you a language to share your experiences it it things get better yeah i can see that in my in my daughters right they know how to talk about it and i'm so, i feel so privileged and excited that i have an opportunity to talk about it so that i can change it and make it better for them for, but they they take it for granted because they've been living through this in that liberal you know education system right i mean but you know i remind them you're standing on the shoulders of giants yes. because you know if i were to tell my story and then my mother's story and my grandparents grandmother's stories yes. they are powerful powerful women you come from those roots you have to remember those but the privileges that you have right now are very different from what they had and how they lived through all of that too so i have a bit of a story to share about where i come from and i would uh, love to hear it yes please we're going to have a conversation about work but let's talk about your background absolutely please share with us yeah so my story begins in kerala in india so that's the southwestern tip of india beautiful land of coconut trees and rivers it's called uh, god's own country So I was born into a loving tight knit family that prayed together sang and ate together and I was only girl to a lot of boy cousins and we grew up surrounded by love you know with parents cousins um grandparents everybody living in a very close vicinity and um you know it's uh, the focus was on education church family and did i say education right so i was interested in all sorts of arts and sports but back home they worried we would get distracted from studies so i did have a lot of rules to abide by and i was excellent at academics math science all of those and i was really interested in in uh, language and history and all of that too um so they couldn't find fault in they, those but i rebelled against and challenged all of these rules and i was and i am a voracious reader still all western literature biography stories and all that so i'm sure i did not give my mom an easy time so with all of my headstrong arguments so and i have a ba- brother who's very quiet and here i was outspoken and not very obedient and kind of quiet not at all quiet like good girls who want to get married off are expected to be right so she used to say i wish you were a boy and he were a girl right so and she used to keep talking about that and you know i grew up a tomboy and uh, my mother was always saying that no one would ever marry me so they are uh, like what you're saying because you're like you sound so soft spoken so i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> so you know because you know people are they are the, the grooms and their families are going to want someone traditional like my cousins who could cook and bake and sew and you know covered their head in ch- in church and didn't go around on a bike and didn't laugh out so loud and so, but i had zero interest in any of the chores around the house and my pursuits were quite non traditional i wanted to read to travel to get away from home and from all of that control and to be free to read what i wanted to hike and live life without all those rules right so but well in those days we couldn't we wouldn't be allowed to do any of that without getting married so these were the attitudes that probably set me to be successful in everything i set my mind to also at the same time right so through challenges you come through successful so it didn't matter uh, what the task or project or mission was i gave it my all did the best um, at all of it and every success builds up your confidence too so i've maintained that optimism while being a realist and i leave no stones unturned to meet my goals and i'm very action oriented so i'm a go 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 kind of a person so with that go getter attitude and great results every time so give it to manju and it'll be done and done right so that was my reputation so graduating from engineering college back home so i 
I refused to even apply for work near my parents and I joined the Indian Space Research Organization in Bangalore. I mean, did I mention my mom, she was the first woman rocket scientist in India. My parents were both uh, you know, uh, rocket scientists and they were the first uh, scientist couple there as well. So I was fortunate to grow up listening and learning about the opportunities and challenges, the early sets of failures in uh, rocket launches, the lessons learned from it, and subsequently the successes and the textbook launches of the Indian Space Research Organization, the triumphs of a developing nation, which showed me that with persistence and hard work, we can accomplish anything. And you may have heard about India's successful moon mission and landing on the south side this month. My yeah. parents were part of the early leaders laying the foundation for the level of success in a poor country like India. And my um, colleagues were, uh, when I was working there, now they are the ones leading the current mission. My parents are both retired. So that kind of sets the stage, right? So um, I was expected uh, um, you know, to follow in their footsteps and I was a good obedient when it comes to academics um, daughter uh, who always beat their expectations there. So I was soon married off and arranged marriage. I met my husband uh, to be a week or so before marriage as he was working in Germany at that time. We traveled around Europe for a year, uh, returned to continue to work in Bangalore. After two years and a baby, my husband and I decided to travel the world a bit and came to the US. And that was supposed to be for just three years on a visa, but that was 26 plus years ago. So wow. I've lived more than half of my life here now. <laughs> and uh, so I've been an engineering leader with over 30 years of experience in the tech industry, heading um, large organizations at companies like uh, Hewlett Packard Enterprise, NetApp, um, Delphix, HP. You know, I, I started my career as a rocket scientist, like I said, and then, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I wanted to continue in the space industry here. But because I wasn't a citizen and didn't have security clearance, I couldn't do that. So U.S. didn't even allow my parents to visit because there was an embargo against Indian scientists as they built rockets and satellites and missile technology. So, so I joined the corporate world here and I joined Hewlett Packard at that time and then moved up the ladder there. And it was an interesting struggle for a while. So as a female leader in Silicon Valley, it's very common to find yourself as the only that accented softer voice among all the alpha males, right? So you have to learn to speak up, to get your voice heard and to fight for your team, to overcome biases and stereotypes that the rest of society has on you. Those are real from both men and women, which means you may have to work twice as hard uh, to prove yourself, right? So the interesting thing there is that, um, you know, I wasn't aware of any any of those that these are biases i thought oh i was doing something wrong and um so uh, another part of it is a bigger challenge that i felt you know it is i'm sure this is the case in whichever part of the world you're in i'm sure you felt that also probably in nigeria did you was that where you came from yes yes I came uh, from nigeria. in reading yes. your bio yeah. So it's about juggling all those responsibilities of home and kids. And my kids actually had asthma as well. And the guilt of focusing on work and wanting to do everything right. else also perfectly as was expected of me. Right. So I was great academically. And then you take that into work. And then when you get married and become a mother, every one of those, that work-life integration, it's such an extra challenge. 
and your expectations i mean you have to be a 100% employee 100% a perfect wife a mother a perfect homemaker your home has to be ready for guests anytime and uh, then there are these you know <laughs> biases and you know attribute bias motherhood penalty performance bias likability bias i you know i know where i faced each one of those but till i learned about it maybe 10 years ago i didn't know about them right i thought i had to do something that i had to change a whole lot right but that awareness really does help and you know at home for example husbands do help but the training from their home is that they are helping instead of it being their responsibility too right. um, while it is all considered a woman's job right so the gender roles part of it so that attitude itself is a burden and uh, this is part of the patriarchal norms that we grow up in it's it's very convenient for men to hold on to but then it's a struggle for us and we are filled with guilt so that superwoman syndrome right that yeah. is a major challenge sometimes it's not even it's not the husband that is telling you it's because we ourselves question ourselves it's, right because of that exactly upbringing. <laughs> exactly and yeah yeah and anybody somebody has to just look at you and oh oh this is what it is so that guilt is all be already yeah. there and yeah. you know it is i don't my mother had an entire support system around her i grew up in that uh, but then here you're all alone and you're trying to do the same and more um alone so it means stifling aspirations to meet all of those expectations to then play it safe also and try to follow rules and we tend to doubt our own abilities when it is not confirm, confirmed through grades or kudos or you know that validation that you're expecting right so i think i took on all of those and survived that me you know when i look back i don't know how i did it so much all that running around trying to rush out of meetings uh, out of meetings at 5:45 you know to drive like a crazy person to pick up kids pick before up kids. those fines hit you every minute 15 dollars man <laughs> and then take them to their activities then to cook and chores and church and community and charity activities and all these while taking calls from work because i had large teams in india and the uh, you know middle east and uh, um europe all of those places too right then the, at the same time you're yelling at the kids about their homework so and well the thing i wanted to convey is that you shouldn't worry that's what i tell everybody that i you know connect with and engage with and uh, especially women don't worry it all worked out i have two daughters they are still alive and they are wonderful young women caring and compassionate and accomplished and um, one is a game designer she works in la and she is an artist and the younger one is doing pre med wow so that's oh my that's God. you know I, you are speaking to me right now i am a millennial and i have a 10 year old a 7 year old and a 3 year old and i was just talking to somebody who is 23 about this same thing um yesterday i was saying that you know i i think the best decision i could have made 3 years ago was starting to work for myself because yeah. i thought it was the norm before 2020 before i started working for myself we are rushing out in the morning and then my kids are the last to leave and then yeah. i start to doubt myself should i quit working so that yep. i can take care of the children right um but just <laughs> also understanding that the society also kind of questions you know yeah. there's still the family expectation they're still questioning you know what kind of help yeah. you should get are you delegating what you shouldn't delegate i am learning to delegate yes 
Oh yeah. Oh, I, one of the principles that I remind anybody that listen is about four Ds, right? And I apply that. Those are so four Ds, as in you know, do, delegate, delay, or drop. There are many things that you can drop, many things that you can delay, many things that we can delegate. Especially if you can. So one of the things I don't enjoy doing any of the chores at home. I delegate those. That's the best spent money. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I recently um I recently got up an up hair and I was uh, uh, explaining to a friend about it that um even that I I'm still getting used to what I should delegate because yeah. for me I enjoy cooking so cooking uh, is a chore that I enjoy but like in the morning I really do want to drop my kids off at school so I had to I'm in that process of learning what is important to me what do I enjoy doing I enjoy yes. getting up making sure they are well dressed because mm-hmm. I'm very with their dressing <laughs> so it's like making sure they're well dressed drop them chat them up but after that all of the drop-offs and all of the driving somebody yep. else can do that and then yes. i can you know but cleaning i don't like doing that so it's really breaking down everything and knowing which ones do i want to do so i, I really love what you said you said is do delegate delay delay, delay drop, drop. oh yep. i love it i love it thank you so much for sharing that yeah and you know so the and through all of that i think my leaders recognized some talent in me and asked me to join them as they moved up i guess i helped them succeed while i was just focused on doing the best at everything i needed to do and beyond right so i felt grateful to have a good job and aspirations like in india didn't seem appropriate in this country where i felt like a guest it took some time to overcome that as well right because i just didn't see anybody else who looked like me in those roles so um, i didn't have the mentorship which i uh, now try to give and uh, i try to give uh, to many women um and also to my daughters and they do listen they're watching and learning and i didn't know to ask for help as i wanted to be considered an equal right in control and uh, um, i didn't even know i could aspire for more as there were very few women in those senior roles so i thought i had given up the chance to grow to senior roles like my mother did in india where i had a good role model because i chose to come here right yeah. things have changed so much since then and it's fantastic this is the best time in history to be born a girl and to be a young woman starting a career yeah. so and but you know many reasons from biases to barriers from others and many more barriers that i actually put on myself because of that traditional upbringing and social conditioning to seek validation from authority figures like with with my parents too right so it was at a, a women unlimited program that i was sent to when working with other senior women that i saw that i already did um, and uh, had what they were teaching so i was passionate and direct people didn't probably like my style many of them are not used to they found such passion and commitment too aggressive in a brown woman and people would call me ambitious and for a woman that it is that is not a compliment so things that are getting better now why is that a bad word for a woman and if you think yeah. about if that word is used for a man is a compliment it's a compliment yeah so it took me quite a bit of growing up i would say and it was when the kids were older and i had time to breathe otherwise you are just kind of powering through all of this right you're trying to do everything and rushing through that so i had to take a step back and then try to understand myself that's something i would recommend to every young woman you know see from under my parents thumb to under you know getting married and then having kids right away i just had no time to find myself to be myself so now my kids i i you stay away from home 
you figure out how to make choices for yourself so those are very very important and now there are young women from india also who come here as soon as they you know for their education they come alone they are allowed to do that i wouldn't have been allowed to leave home without getting married right so things have changed so much it is it's great so i i had to understand myself and see why do i do the things i do and um, you know unlearn quite a lot to grow and keep getting better at giving myself permission i think that in itself was a revelation for me give myself permission i was the one holding myself back a whole lot and uh, luckily other people who weren't into imp- intimidated by me saw my good work and believed in me and i'm grateful for that so i do my best to remind people that they are all remarkable it's not just about a project done or something that you did alone it's about all the things that you are so your full authentic self it is that confidence in knowing yourself a bit more that helps you bring your whole self then to be a role model to be vulnerable to talk and share about these right that confidence comes from being able to step back and to evaluate yourself i'm very proud of my daughters because you know after studying here and all that they have spent time they understand themselves that grows their confidence and i i i, I love seeing that So well I can I can tell that your girls are lucky to have you as a mom and and <laughs> and that just warms my heart because it's why we talk about representation is why these conversations are important to me because um one of the big words for me is amplifying the voices that we don't necessarily hear right like um so let, let's come down to the industry sector now because apart from being an immigrant and a woman in the workplace you're also in a very um competitive <laughs> industry right you are a woman in engineering yeah um in in yeah. I mean, even probably product, going to product development product operations delivering product. brand new products and innovation those are key yes Yes mm-hmm. and and you I mean maybe not even in India not even going to school in India I'm sure that you didn't see a lot of girls doing that that program um and then in the US what was that like the comparison in terms of ratio of were there a lot of I mean you probably had an advantage because your parents are educated My parents yeah so I grew up in a family where everybody was either a doctor or an engineer or so um, there was no other profession allowed <laughs> so that was that is part of but um you know but i could see my generation um, all of my girl cousins they have they are engineers but once they married they are all taking care of the family taking care of the husband and his uh, ambitions and all of that and uh, it takes active persistence and to be bold and consistent and all of that to continue to move forward Yeah. So there is you have to take those on as challenges and uh, nowadays when um, young women um, who work for me they come to say mm, yeah I'm not able to cope with all of these and I said this is temporary mm. would your husband make the choice that you're trying to make would he even consider this to quit he won't and why would you look for options right and uh, that's an important thing to remind other women because you give up a chance then you can talk you can talk about motherhood penalty and all of that but that's a choice you made too right so right. And, and and i think that's also the difference we already know that even when you don't quit yeah there's already a lot of penalty yeah. and so taking a step back for a woman is already you're taking five steps back um so you have to really be clear and be sure that that's what you want to do and i i mean i have friends too that i decide that when i had my first kid at 29 i didn't know 
a lot of um I didn't have a lot of friends that had kids that were yeah. also career driven. Mm-hmm. And so it felt like I had to pick one. Yeah. Yeah, see that's the thing. That is where some mentorship and some guidance yeah. and listening to other women who've come through, right? I didn't have us much of a support system, but I'm fine. The kids are fine. Like I said they're alive, so they're, they're it's alive. okay. <laughs> they they'll be fine. Yeah. No, so you you have you have already dropped a lot, but um I think the and you are probably the best person to ask this because you have young young daughters. So if you were to talk to young people now, um, from the perspective of being a mom to, you know, girl, young girls now, what do you think they should be doing? Because now we are talking about not even getting into work and, and staying in career, but leading. Because I think that's another thing with getting into corporate America is not the same thing as leading in corporate America. If you want to be a leader, if you know you want to be a VP, a CEO, get into the C-suite, what are some of the things that they can be doing now to set themselves up? I think there are key traits that you have to develop, right? And none of these, you don't have to be born with it. So I think being that rebel, I probably kept developing it when I was young itself. And as, um, so for me, some of the things, in, in no particular order, but living my core values that help me be bold and consistent. And when it comes to my core values, this also is an exercise that I want each one of you to do. Step back and evaluate. I mean, there are so many things that you value, but what are the top maybe five or so? It helps you understand yourself better and the choices that you make and all, you live by those values. And um, so for me, I can tell you my core values are honesty and integrity, trust, being able to build a trust with others and ownership, being dependable, that responsibility, right? And then being of service to others. When I have these in mind, the choices I make to hire, to fire, to any kind of decisions that you make, it's around those values. And I walked the talk and did what I said I would well and more. And I persevere. I don't give up even when things are tough. And I'm someone who kind of sets a vision and plans every step and kind of takes action. So I'm, I'm a very action-oriented person. So that's very important. There are a lot of people who talk, but then are you doing the walk as well, right? It's action that leads into, you know, success because, you know, otherwise it's just words. <clears throat> so taking that initiative, continuing to uh, improve, to get better, keep moving forward, learn and adjust. That being a fast learner also helps. Again, when you take accountability, when you take ownership and keep that optimism that we will together succeed, there's nothing that can stand in your way. And in leadership roles, it's also about influence. So for people to follow you, some of those traits also include caring for others, being able to build that trust and relationships. And I seem to be able to inspire and motivate people to strive for more as well, because they see that authenticity in me. They see that it's real where I'm coming from too, right? And, you know, stay hungry and curious to keep learning and growing. I read every day and I work hard every day to be the best version of myself and then to be consistent. And another thing I just didn't do is I waited for permission, right? So Mm. don't do that. Grab opportunities that come your way. Don't wait to be asked or think that you aren't ready. That's the biggest mistake we all make. I say, mm, you know, I, I may have to do this and that also. That's all in your own head. Go dive, dive straight in and you'll figure out how to make it happen. And then if you make some mistakes, you learn from it. 
and i can tell you that most of this advice is also through the mistakes that i've made lessons that i've learned that's what i'm trying to tell you and while you're leading and growing look around you and take those around you with you that helps you move forward fearlessly if these are innate talents in you it makes the path smoother but each of these you can practice and train yourself to get better thank you so much yeah that's so good thank you um a, a little topic that we mentioned before we came on here was about your weekend and how you are still volunteering over the weekend so i just wanted to ask you personally too right like i mean you you've you are doing so much is there anything in particular that you kind of do for self care to take care of yourself to make sure that you are decompressing i think um being useful energizes you i it energizes me <laughs> right that is there and um so i have a lot of hobbies um as well i paint i um, sing when i get a chance i i go hiking i read a whole lot and i don't sleep much it's not a good thing but uh, so i i watch movies the kind that i the pride and prejudice kind of things with that intense and cerebral dialogues right so i watch those but then you know netflix has given me this bad habit i i'm not able to watch it at regular speed anymore i have to <laughs> do it at a faster speed now it's like anyway but uh, i do i do all of those and i have a wonderful tribe of women around here that i spend time with we go hiking together and over the weekends we uh, we spend time together we talk and laugh and share our stories and that just energizes all of us for the next week so those are all things and at the same time i'm also in multiple nonprofits um several women's empowerment nonprofits and i'm also the president of a charity organization called vanita it's an indian association of women so we um help other charities and we do projects back home in india or so uh, to help with education the mission is help for the helpless and uh, um education for all so that is a very fulfilling thing as well this weekend i have two events that i'll be attending one for cancer research for a care for children another one for uh, a pal- uh, palliative care as well so to make donations to those and to attend those uh, fundraisers uh, last week and actually we did the annual fundraiser for vanita and we had about 200 plus people come and uh, it was uh, it was an amazing thing to see everybody together the community coming together to support such causes right so i i gain energy from that and i gain purpose from it and i'm also a um, cancer survivor so i am uh, i spend time counseling other cancer patients to give them the strength that uh, i found uh, within myself and um, to be able to support and guide their families many a time it's the families and their behavior that really gets in the way of the cancer patients doing their own bit and they we need to provide them with some strength and support as well it's not just in, in uh, here but in in india as well people connect me to uh, to those in need i'm also what's called a mentor angel with uh, uh, several um, you know cancer foundations and i mentor a lot of women especially south asian women and other um, women who are running certain nonprofits as well and um, i i gain energy from listening to them uh their challenges and to be able to give my support and strength to them as well 
um, and to share these kinds of stories with others, right? That part is very important. Um, and those are things that I really enjoy. And I work for HPE, um, which provides matching for every volunteer hour. And it's amazing that I can then donate that also to these, wow, uh, these organizations. So companies that do matching like that, it's just amazing. Every volunteer hour, it counts and uh, it gives more purpose. So um, those are things and I, I think I am lucky to have wonderful friends, many of them in not just in the Bay Area, across the US, across the world. We are in touch every day. Many of them have been friends since first grade. So I have that tribe of women that are always there for me. When I went through challenges, they were the ones. I didn't need anybody else. I just needed them uh, to do that that kind of support. And I, it was, it that's was. Good. Uh, <clears throat> that's good. And I know that um, I, I talk about community a lot and how it's a part of my culture too, coming from Nigeria is yeah. having community support. And that's a big thing, um, yeah. especially if you're an immigrant, that's a big thing that you miss. Yes. You have that's to build it intentionally here. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Back home, it is all, you know, prepackaged. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> but here, you know, I don't have any relatives or so, but these, this is my extended family. Even at work, I think one of the reasons I'm able to connect so well with people is I consider them my extended family and I treat them as such and I care for them as such and it's reciprocated. Yeah. When I was uh, diagnosed at that time, I I told my company and other, other male colleagues were why, why did you tell anybody? I said, I'm okay. I am strong. I'm not worried that anybody else will judge me for being vulnerable. I've been diagnosed. I'm going to come back stronger. Watch and see, right? And those well wishes from everybody, you know, it lifted me up. So that's that's definitely there. And I, I, you know, this is, I also, I can tell you that cancer diagnosis and that experience was an enriching one for me. And I can share a little bit of what helped me um, get through that also, if that's useful. Yes, please. And and because you got these right in the middle of working and you're still working now, right? You're back to work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, so it's also part of the conversation we're having because sometimes we talk about career as if it's this isolated thing, you know. Oh, no. Yeah. You, you cannot. So this is the, yeah, this is the, the mistake. I think our, my, my parents, you know, they left, they thought they left work at home at nine to five and they would come back and it's all about, no, they, you're, it, it's only integration. That's all you can do. There is no separating it. And when you are unhappy at home, you will take it to work. If you're unhappy at work, you will bring it home. So all of that is important. You have to figure out how to balance it. That is where the self-care part of it that you mentioned is so important, right? And um, that's where you have to be intentional. That is where the friendship, the group. So today evening, um, us girls, uh, three or four of us are getting together. And uh, one of us, uh, she's a, an excellent cook. So I'm looking forward to it. No guys allowed. It's just us girls. So... <laughs> so you know, about the cancer diagnosis, I think um, I just wanted to share about, um, you know, the a few strategies that can help me. Right. And, um, you know, I've had some time to step back. Many people have asked me, Anju, how did you manage that? How did you stay so calm and strong? And so I... I don't know. I didn't think I had a choice, right? I, that's, uh, that's who I am, right? And I think I did a lot of things instinctively. And the other thing they would say is, if I fall sick, I want you to come and project manage it for me, right? So I literally probably did it like a project management at that time. So but I probably did a lot of things instinctively, true to who I am. 
as a person right independent optimistic and forward looking so i did not spend any time wasting it on asking why me and i just distanced myself from any negative voices so that part is very very important i see that in many people that i counsel right why me and so it's a waste of time it doesn't help in any way if anybody around you is asking that question also keep them away seriously <laughs> right so i just focused on learning all i needed to know about the disease to be able to make my own informed decisions at every step and i put my energy into getting back to normal so i told my teams and um, you know that i would come back and i did i not only survived but i i came through thriving from that experience and became even more purposeful and i think i developed more empathy and um and um i felt lighter um you know going back and sharing that with others also so to through these great challenges this is something covid taught us as well right so i went through this just um you know i just about um, completed part, you know the major part of the treatment when the covid shutdown happened so it was like a silver lining for me frankly but during any great challenge you know what covid showed us also is that resilience is one of the key traits that any employer would want that any family something that we have to teach our kids also to be able to step out of maybe a mistake a failure or a ch- any kind of challenge right um a disappointment or so these days kids are you know they are they really ready to handle those kinds of challenges in life we have to train them for that so that would be a key requirement to become a strong leader as well so when you think about i know you all must have heard about that five stages of uh, grief right so um what are they right uh, so initial the it's denial anger um right so and the um bargaining all of those and then the last one is acceptance right so accepting and acknowledging that situation like that as a part of life that is important that's what resilient people would do mm-hmm. right because suffering is part of every human existence right. right and when tough times come we acknowledge it we deal with it that's the first step that is what i think i'm you know i step back when i look at it that's what i did i didn't why me that's a waste of time so hey what do i need to do let me figure how do i get back right and then what do you need to focus on where do you give your attention and focusing on the things that you have control over and that you can change that's the important thing that's where because you have limited energy when you have limited energy and you're going through a challenge that's what you need to focus on i mean there is a serenity prayer right so call god grant me the serenity to accept the things that i can't change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference right so taking things one day at a time and letting go of what you cannot control that's really important and the other thing that we can apply every day every time when you're worrying or feeling upset or so is ask is what i'm thinking or how how i'm reacting really helping me or harming me this is a powerful question a powerful pause for us when you're going through work challenges maybe it's a relationship challenge it could be a financial challenge these are simpler things to worry about frankly it's not a matter of life and death but even there you can ask the same question and does it matter in 5 minutes in 5 hours 5 days 5 months or even 5 years right that puts things in perspective so challenges are sure to come 
What matters is how we respond to them. That is what is in our control, right? So we have to remind ourselves about that also. This is a temporary state. Look at me. I am out of it. I'm in remission. And when I step back, I'm able to talk about that temporary state and say, this is how I came through it. And uh, so we are not victims and we are not powerless. What we need during a tough challenge is that hope and to be grateful. That is what makes everyone resilient, right? I think everybody is resilient and life will always throw challenges our way. So if I can do it, anyone can do it in any of your situations as well. So I won't pretend that it's easy, that the pain or the challenge will just go away. But this will give us strength to handle life's unexpected detours. That's the important thing to remember. Oh my gosh, for anybody listening, I'm just like having chills now. Actually, you I, did I mention that you have a beautiful voice? <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> that is just, um, I feel like, you know, we, we are talking about life, real life. A lot of the yeah. things you're sharing, you know, it's our career, but it's also our life. It's yeah. all aspects of our life. Because as we said, if everything else is not working well, if you are not doing well health-wise, if you're having, you know, family issues and problems, it's going to impact the way you do your work. Yes. And and if you yeah. can't get through that season, how will you get to the next stage? Yeah. Right? And physical health, mental health, all of that. See, when you're going through that kind of career challenges and you're unhappy, that right. mental health situation is even harder than a physical challenge too, right? Yeah. But And when you're physically down, then it brings you down mentally too. So you need support in wherever that challenge is needed. So that's where you build your support system. You build your network. As an immigrant, you have to invest in making that happen. That's something, you know, luckily, so if you are a Christian, so I come from a Christian family and we have a Christian community here. They supported me. My kids both had asthma and it was one of the aunties there saw me struggling. I had no idea with this small baby who was, who had asthma. And she said, you know what? Don't worry. You go to work. I will take care of her. And she did. That's how the community comes together. I'm eternally grateful for that, right? And people would um, cook food and bring it over. So when, as immigrants, we really come together to support and help each other. And I pay it forward too. I have many engineers who, you know, move from other parts of the world and come here. And in the early days, they need that support. Okay, do you need some chairs? Here it is. What do you need, right? If you are somebody's falling sick, I'm there. Yes, yes. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing this. I knew we were going to take a, more than a few minutes to really dive into all of the gems that you're providing. Uh, but I always ask a final question for all of my guests about food because I like to live through everybody and get new food ideas. <laughs> and maybe because I like food. So my yeah. final question that I was going to ask is if you were to share a meal with your coworkers or a snack or a fruit what would it be and why did you choose that? Oh, I have a story for that. And that is a biryani. That is, you know, I don't know if you've eaten a biryani, the chicken biryani. And, I've eaten biryani. And <laughs> it's not just a meal. It's an experience, right? Such a beautiful blend of diverse ingredients, each with its own unique flavor well, and probably, texture. I've probably eaten the Americanized version, so. Ah, <laughs> See, the thing, the reason I, I, you know, I love the the textures and the history of it, the, you know, the rice, the spices, the meat, the vegetables, all of that, each one with individual strengths and characteristics, right? But when it is all cooked together with care and patience, mm. and 
it creates something extraordinary that's the essence of teamwork and leadership and it's about valuing the unique qualities and talents of each team member and bringing them together to achieve a common goal right and this is this wow. one meal together all together and it's such a symbol of culinary diversity right that mm. rich tapestry of flavors and colors and ingredients and cooking techniques also so it's about how cultures have intermingled and influenced yeah. each other right so yes i had a guest time my food question to teamwork and dei and i think that's beautiful that is so perfect thank you so much mandu thank you oh this is fun yeah uh, it's thank you. Uh, yeah thank you for the work you do thank you for the work you are still doing um for being you know for the way you are leading and also sharing because i think we can be leading in work we can have one identity at work and i mean i can just tell how it infuses everything you do so um yeah, yeah it was nice having a conversation with you and i hope you enjoy your evening and have a great thank you weekend. thank you i'm ready to eat yep <laughs> that's the thing about uh, uh, the biryani see i am uh, part of the medication i have to take care not to um, so i i'm on supposed to be on a keto diet but then when it when i see a biryani the keto becomes cheeto so <laughs> i i cannot resist it yeah <laughs> no, i'm sorry i'm having this one <laughs> yeah thank you so much man joey was nice chatting with you Thank you. Thank you Lola. This is Thank great. You. Yeah. Thank you for joining me, Lola Adeyemo, for these important conversations about the global world of work. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to share our weekly episodes with your communities and coworkers. For more resources and upcoming events, visit our website www.thrivinginintersectionality.com and join our LinkedIn group Thriving in Intersectionality. Additional links and resources are listed in the show notes of this episode. Thank you.